Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome in, everybody. This is another episode of Coast to Coast Football. My name is Scott Kennedy. I will be your host. I am in Atlanta. This is my co-host, Nick Kendall. He is in Seattle, so we are coast to coast with your football coverage. So, got a lot of time zones covered. He's got to get up nice and early to join us. We do this live every Friday morning at 9 o'clock because we like talking with all y'all. And speaking mm-hmm. of all y'all, Nick, how are you doing this morning, my friend? I am doing pretty well. I uh, bit the bullet uh, the other day and spent some good money to buy tickets for the Washington-Oregon game. Uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. So top 10 matchup, Washington comes, or Oregon comes to town, biggest, second biggest rival for the Huskies. So should be fun. Uh, my buddy out here is a big Huskies fan. He's like, you better wear Husky stuff. Listen, I'm like, I don't own any Husky stuff. If you give me like some Big Ten gear, I can look like uh, Rob Lowe in the NFL game with his NFL hat on, you know, the meme from that. But uh, I don't know any Husky stuff. Uh, I am cheering against Oregon for sure. Not an Oregon fan. I have some insight that they've uh, come for a few Iowa players and stuff. I don't really love what they do with the NIL with players already under scholarship. Um, But uh, yeah, no, it'll be fun and uh, excited for the weekend. It's all one year deals, man. That, I I, that's what I said. If you're going to pay these guys, I don't have any problem giving multi-year deals. Um, you know, hold them to it. And if you, then if you want to leave, then you got to sit out the rest of your contract. If you want to sign a three-year contract and take the money, then you got to sit out if you want to leave. Mm-hmm. The big problem I always had was 
I could cut you and tell you you couldn't play anywhere else for another year. I'm like, wouldn't that have been great in high school? Sorry, sweetie, I, we're we're going to break up, but you're not allowed to date anybody for another year. Man, that would have been awesome. That would have been great. <laughs> Speaking of awesome, coming in, Michael Ranquillo. Like I said, we do this live because we like being in front of y'all and saying hello to everybody and, and having an interactive chat of sorts. So Michael Ranquillo always supporting us in here nice and early. So appreciate you being here. Silas coming in on YouTube. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to you as well. John, it's good to see you. He says, good morning, guys. Happy Friday. Philip Hogginson is checking in as well. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Dom, I know he's a big college football fan. He doesn't mind us talking a little of uh, Washington. And, and evidently, the Washington home game is one of the best places in football, period, in, in sports. So I, I have not been out there. Uh, lots of friends that are Huskies that are out there, you know, being that I worked in a Seattle company for 15 years. Uh, lots of folks uh, out there covering the game. So you have a great time. I don't hell, Autzen's a pretty good place to go watch a game too, down in, in Oregon. Yeah. Big um, 10 country. But Dom <laughs> says, uh, good morning, Nick Scott, Dog Nation in Broncos country. Dog Nation, big game this weekend, going up against a very good running game in Kentucky. They had their, they had their hands full with Auburn. Auburn uh, gave Pickle. them a little fight for a change. Doesn't seem like that's happened in a while. What did you uh, think of Kirby Smart's? Anchor is coming in on... Um, Coming on YouTube, talking to Falcons. This is what if we had Matt Ryan and Whiteout Jones instead of drafting Ritter? Would the season be different? No, you would have taken Ritter later and had to play them because uh, Jones would be out and hurt. Julio Jones would be out and hurt, and and Matt Ryan would uh, probably be. Oh God, I'd fear for his safety at this level. <laughs> if it was 2016, Matt Ryan and you know 2014 Jones, and we're talking about a real serious team uh because the defense is competent and i mean with bijan and everybody else it'd be awesome but i mean that's not how how it works uh, yeah but... and, and on top of that that's about 70 million in contract that you mm. ate last year that would still be on the books so you wouldn't yeah. have any of your defensive players defensive. you may have yeah. lost you know you'd be you'd be wondering can you will you be able to afford to resign chris lindstrom making that change and getting out from under those awful contracts and I don't blame either. I don't blame the players for them. Hey, you want to offer me more money? I'll take it. Um, I'm 30 plus years old and on the back end of my career. But hey, here's $50 million signing bonus. Thanks. Um, I don't blame those guys. But Julio Jones has been a shell of himself for years. Yeah. I don't. He's he's not on a roster right now. No, is he anywhere? Roster. Nope. He's yeah. nowhere. He's done. Yeah. I mean, it, it's never worked for anyone. It's a terrible idea. But what if it worked for us? Did you ever see Arrested Development, Scott? Did no, you? I didn't watch okay. that show. I've seen some okay. clips and it looks, I was like, maybe I'll pick this up one day, but I'm I'm reading so many books right now. I go through a book about every three days. Wow. Through uh through the series of books. It's like that's what I'm doing right now. I was like, it's not going anywhere. I can go catch up on yeah. um It's Always Sunny in Philly. I never watched that show. I'm like, oh, I should check, I should watch that one. I, and that. I haven't. Yeah. I it's always sunny in Philly, Arrested Development. Um, and uh I don't know if you've ever seen Community. Also, uh, that is a very underrated Chris show. Pratt. Which one was Chris Pratt? Uh, Chris Pratt was in Parks and Rec. Okay, also yeah, phenomenal. I, I, I feel like I tried that once and then went away from it or something. The first season's not that good. Okay. But after that, it really... <laughs> I mean, it's fine, but it's mm -hmm. uh, it really picks up its steam. I did want to circle back to uh, the comment from uh, Dom, uh, Dom, of course, and then also bring up the comment. Did you see Kirby Smith's... So uh, he got a little bit of heat for how they... Uh, Kirby Smart. Smart, excuse me, Kirby Smart, how they uh, handled um, Auburn. And then he mentioned that every single team in the SEC should be ranked. Uh, what did you think of that? I mean, I know you're not as on the immediate pulse for college football as I am, but uh, I mean, Vanderbilt being ranked. I mean, it's, it's, just coach it's, talk. 
it, it, it's all it is. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. If, if an SEC team takes <clears throat> wins their games, they're going to be in the playoff. If they probably only lose one game, they're probably going to be in the playoff. So you don't have to talk too much about it. It's just talking up the 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 league and the schedule. It's just coach speak. I don't I don't worry too much about it. I mean, it's I, it's he doesn't believe that. There's there's no, no way. He's a, he's a smart guy. He's level headed, no. and. If he says something like that, he should catch flack for it. But he's he's not going to lose any sleep for it. Like, no. oh my god, my opinion's invalidated because this is what I truly believe. No, he don't he don't care. I almost wonder if it's setting up that Georgia has not been as impressive this year. I almost wonder if he's like setting him, his team up like, well, every team in the SEC should be ranked. We lost one against you know right. Florida. And That's then, what I said. It's it's a little yeah. bit of politicking. And if he does lose one, fine, you know. But I, I think the SEC has done well enough through the past that they're oh, still yeah. going to a one loss team in the sec is still going to get in over a one loss team somewhere else. It's yeah. an automatic tiebreaker. Yep. I agree with you. The other thing about the sec this year is that the quarterback play is terrible. Um, it might be the worst quarterback division out of the power fives this year. I mean, the trench play, we know about the overall talent on the defense, but uh, I mean, you go through the list of the quarterbacks, they're not there. And that matters more in today's college football. Yeah. Games. I was like, that's not really anything that new. I mean, like, you know, when the, the first quarterback that ever really got any go in the, in the modern era for Alabama and all their championships was Tua, mm-hmm. you know, and then, okay. And then Jalen hurts there too, is there and, and, and that, but it's like Alabama went forever without really a quarterback without mm-hmm. anybody, you know, Georgia, you know, Aaron Murray is their all time leading passer. You know uh, it's every once in a while you get a guy, you get Tim couch at Kentucky, you get Cam Newton at Auburn, but it's, Jake it's never really been a, never really been a quarterback league. Mm-hmm. Um, so we may disagree though. with me on that, but it, it, mm-hmm. it was always defense. It was always smothering. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't hear about SEC quarterbacks. You heard about SEC speed. Yeah. And that was SEC. And, and people were like, well, this guy's a 4-3. He's fast. Well, yeah, everybody's got 4-3. We're not talking skill. The difference between SEC speed and everybody else's speed is those 4-6 down linemen. That, can that are still 300 and, pounds. <laughs> and go laterally. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's SE speed. It's it's in the trenches. Mm-hmm. It's the front seven on defense. That's when we talk about speed. Everybody's got four force defensive backs. Yeah. And also the offensive line. The Big Ten has the offensive line too, but then you look at the, you know, the Big 12, Pac-12, whatever they are now, and ACC, they typically don't have the, the bodies up front offensively as well. The true difference is in the front seven. Yeah, is is with the, the SEC and really everybody else through the years is the speed in the front seven on defense. So mm-hmm. anyway, on that note, um, Jordan Brown coming in says, good morning, guys. You see the video of Jimmy Ward saying the Texans aren't worried too much about the Falcons passing. Ouch. Been a long time since we heard something like that. No, and it shouldn't be surprising. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, the Falcons fans. Look, look at look at what I've still got in the background. I've got my Broncos for breakfast of. Uh, on in the background let's let's see if i can change that up a little bit see if we can move here there we go we'll go to kansas city in the the nfl draft i didn't even notice that um anyway uh what do you i mean is he wrong no so no i didn't i didn't see that it's just more fuel on the fire of desmond ritter better start showing some returns or it's really gonna get uncomfortable in atlanta Right now, it's sort of there. It's 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 warming up, yeah. But it's not quite there yet. It's only lose, been lose four- CJ Stroud and Houston Texans. It's going to get hot. Yeah, he, he played four games, and Ritter has looked okay in some of them. Uh, but 
right now he doesn't look good enough. And the people, you know, who were going on and on about quarterback this season for the Falcons are, you know, puffing their chest out a bit. And, you know, it was always the risk uh, with rolling with Ritter this year was going to be an evaluation year. Luckily for the Falcons, if you are in a bad spot this year, you can be aggressive uh, with the quarterback spot. It's a deep class for quarterback. The issue is that it kind of pushes your timeline in a weird spot because your core that you have right now, by the time that quarterback is probably, you know, full gear ahead, it's going to be, you know, 2026, 20, 2027. 20, and you're, you've already had to make decisions on a lot of the offensive guys you drafted, defensive guys you signed are out there just, just for the line of the quarterback. Typically, maybe not true. I mean, you see, like you just talked about CJ Stroud coming in as an or immediately ready or Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan came in as rookie, ready. went 11 and five and was okay. Yep. Two top three picks. Um, yep. But uh, that's uh, yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens if the, Texans give Ritter a hard time and the past game looks as stagnant as it has. And you have your two top 10 draft picks in the perimeter only receiving was it five catches total between them. Uh, then there's going to be growing chatter and upset and uh, maybe even a groundswell for uh, Heineke. Yeah, there's there started. It started with Heineke right now. And, you know, he's under contract for a couple of years if they wanted to exercise. It's basically an option is, is how mm-hmm. I refer to that. It's like, oh, he's on a two year deal. It's really a, for for money for bookkeeping reasons. It's really a one year deal with an option because you could get rid of them without any any dead cap any cost. Um, but yeah, it's going to start getting there. Uh, one of the first topics I wanted to get into today was not looking forward, but looking back. Looking looking back to last night's game, Lance Render. Says, good morning. I couldn't help but think what Justin Fields would look like in Atlanta. I know the conversation exhausting going into three seasons, but it seems like every Falcons debate is going back to this. And Lance, you just heard Nick say the problem with what I said about taking pass catchers when your quarterback situation was so unsettled was by the time you get it straight, you might not even have them anymore. It's like, well, Kyle Pitts is only 22 years old. Yeah, but he's in the third year of his contract. You're you're burning through the, okay, he might not want to stay. You might be able to tag him and all this kind of stuff. And you can control him for basically six years, but we're in year three of this. We're halfway through that six years, and none of those guys want to play on a franchise tag. I promise you that. None of them do. When they can go out there and instead of $15 guaranteed, they can go get $75 guaranteed. None of them want a, a franchise tag. Now, Yesterday, as we were talking Falcons and and Chicago Bears and Justin Fields and about how what might it take to get him, would it be a a good a a maneuver? And I I was like, there's no way if the if the Bears have the number one overall pick, there's no way Justin Fields is in Chicago. And we said maybe a second or third to move on from him, something like Trey Lance. Well, Nick, you I think you said, you know, there's a chance, obviously, but you you push back pretty quick, saying, Well, if he plays like Superman. Well, guess what he's played like the past two weeks? Pretty good. Yeah, pretty, pretty well. Good. Yeah. And frankly, that second and third, throw that out the window. That he's played the past two weeks alone would warrant a first round pick. If he were to they were to shelve him and say we want to trade him, it would take at least a first rounder right now, just for those two weeks, just because of what quarterbacks are worth. Eight touchdowns, mm-hmm. one interception. He's been virtually flawless out there. I think it's been one interception. Did he throw one? Because he didn't throw one last night. Did he throw he one against, against Denver to close yeah, the game? He threw one late, late against Kareem Jackson. Got it. That's right. He also had um, a bad uh, fumble that went for a touchdown against yeah. Denver as well. Yeah. So Justin Fields looked great the last two weeks. I will say that still getting to his second read, he looked, he gets a little bit stiff uh, when that happens. But 
Uh, credit to the offense. It looks like they have simplified it a bit. And also, I mean, talk about addition via subtraction, but Chase Claypool, ever since they've told him to, you know, don't come to the facilities, um, that offense has started to take off and offense running through DJ Moore uh, now. I mean, that when your first read is DJ Moore playing as well as he has the last two weeks, it's a little bit uh, better. So, yes, Justin Fields has looked better. You know me, Scott, I'm a stick in the mud. I'm like, I want to see a broader sample size here. I still trust the overall broader sample size uh, for Fields, but he is trending in the right direction. And he could certainly make the decision tough for the Bears because it's not just their pick they have, it's also Carolina's. Uh, so right. and we'll the thing is, is, if Justin Fields is playing at this level, the Bears pick will not be top two. No, it, it won't be. They'll they'll win five or six games minimum with just a quarterback playing at this level. So they'll be out of that. The Panthers, on the other hand, mm-hmm. they're 0 and four. And now they go to Detroit. Detroit's one of the best teams in the NFC. They're one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. They're staring 0 and five in the face and the Bears are sitting there going like this. You know, you know, all of the different options I can have. Good players gives you options. You may yeah. still want to move on from Justin Fields, but now you can get uh, another first rounder, spin that into whoever, whatever, and it's probably a bad team with the top 15 pick. You'd be picking that one up anyway. Yeah. The Bears are, golly, I remember talking about this last year, the most intriguing team in the league with all that cap space and then the the high draft pick. They're still really intriguing, Nick, as far as general managing and, and that type of stuff goes. And a, a big part of that right now is how Justin Fields plays. They can't yeah. just spin him off somewhere for a third like they, like the 49ers did Trey Lance. It'll, yeah. it'll take more than that. Yeah, and uh, just the trend, trend on Twitter is just how bad right now. And now, Bryce Young becomes a great quarterback. He looks good out there. He doesn't look as good as Stroud or Anthony Richardson. But uh, just in hindsight where that pick is at right now, Scott, that trade, so they trade up for number one for Bryce Young, and what they give up currently is the number one pick in the 2024 draft, which would be Caleb Williams. They give up DJ Moore, and they give up the eighth overall pick in last year's draft, who ends up being Jalen Carter. Uh, so, I mean, that could be a historic... Ninth. No, it was the eighth, and the Bears traded down from eight to nine. The Falcons picked eight. They didn't trade down. Not Okay, you're, you're right. Excuse me. Nine, and then the Bears traded down from nine to ten. Okay. Yeah, I'd yes. love for the Falcons. I've been begging for the Falcons to trade down for three years in a row. <laughs> yes. So the Bears traded down from nine to 10 and took uh, the offensive tackle from Tennessee, whose name's escaping me right now. And the Eagles trade up. Was that Darnell Tennessee. Washington? Yes. No, okay. uh, Darnell Wright. Right. Darnell Wright. Okay. Yep. Darnell uh, Washington was, they, they start to just all run together. We're already yeah. looking at 2024. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty, I mean, talk about number top, let's say just even a top four pick DJ Moore, who looks awesome. And Jalen Carter for that draft slot. I mean, <laughs> Bryce Young better be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> and then who did the Bears take first? Oh, you just said they took Darnell Wright. They took Traded a tackle. So they got tackle more. And then they could Caleb Williams for, you know, and you never know what it's going to happen when you're, and that's the, the, the hesitancy of trading draft picks. Like you just, you never know. I'm not for sure going to get a hit with who I take. And then the more picks I give away, and you did give away a, a, a bona fide in DJ Moore, mm-hmm. a good player. Um, which, which, which was good for the bears. That was, yeah. I mean, that was smart on the bears saying we want a sure thing. We want, yeah. we want a proven commodity if we're going to make this deal. And now the Panthers are looking for a number one wide receiver in the trade market. It's just, it's, you got to love that. If you're a Falcons fan in the NFC South, I mean, talk about some uh, mismanagement there and pretty, pretty darn wild. And even if the bears don't get the number one pick from Carolina, let's say it's a top six pick. There are six right now. I'd say there are six pretty damn good players in the upcoming club. There's more than that, of course, but like six from a prospect perspective, 
uh, and they could Bears could use every single one of them. Uh, you got the two offensive tackles and Alton Fashionu. Uh, you got the, obviously the two quarterbacks. Uh, you got Marvin Harrison Jr. and the guy that I'm coming around on saying like he's pushing blue chip is uh, Dallas Turner from uh, Alabama, who is prototype in terms of visibility. So uh, we'll, we'll be fun to follow. And, and Keith has a good point. You know, we talk about the the draft picks themselves versus proven players. He says the 49ers amaze me. Not many teams can trade up and miss on Trey Lance with three first round picks. Not only survive, but thrive. Yeah, they're they're missing three first rounders and with no return. <laughs> and they're sitting there arguably the best team in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, some good team building going into it. Uh, really good players. Really good coaching. Hey, it's not rocket science, right? Yeah. And it's one thing that shows that, I mean, draft picks really, really do matter, uh, but they can be a little overrated, right? I mean, it's typically they matter a lot, but there are no guarantees and you have different avenues of building the roster. If you hit on those ones emphatically and they've hit, I mean, they've made good roster building overall. John Lynch has done a good job with them. Yeah. If you, if you can build your foundation, then if you're already a good team, then the draft picks aren't as important. Now, if you're a bad team, they, you want as many as you can get to get as many players as you can, but they could afford to miss. They were already good enough that adding, sprinkling in a couple of rookies here and there wasn't going to help them in the short term. Now, we'll see the next 2025, 2026. Could that make more of a difference? Maybe not, you know, because then you're you're getting, you know, free agents. I can do a little bit better and I can restock. Maybe I can trade off a couple guys that are coming up in contracts. Maybe not. And frankly, you'd, you'd trade it to be the 49ers right now. If I said, I'll give... Just give me three first rounders and you can be the best team in football. What do I get for it? The best team in football. Okay. I'll make that trade. That, that's fine. Um, yeah, but it is crazy. It's, I've thought about that a lot. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, my swanker comes in. He says, Caleb Williams also says he wants to play for the Raiders, Giants, 49ers, Vikings, and Cowboys. False and report. Someone else had asked, oh, and it was, it was, it was the same, same, uh, same swanker says, what do you think? Uh, Caleb Williams says he can make more money next year in the U.S at USC instead of the NFL that, that crossed my mind as well. And then I went and looked up, um, you know, maybe on an average contract cause you know, per year average, but mm-hmm. Bryce Young got a $25 million signing bonus this year. Caleb Williams could get more than that. And we've talked about how the NCAA and NFL are been in an unholy coalition, you know, monopolizing the sport of football working together. You're going to have to go here three years, we're going to have to send you to NCAA, blah, blah, blah. They're in competition now. They're in competition to a certain extent. If I'm the Arizona Cardinals and I go 1-16 and 16 and I say I want to draft Caleb Williams and I get outbid by USC, the, the owners are going to raise hell. We got to pay more money. I tanked my team on purpose and he doesn't want to come here because we're a dumpster fire. That's not fair. That's what the owners will do. So they'll, they'll up that rookie pool they'll double it. So now we can, you know, make it so that we're, you, you really want Caleb Williams at USC. Okay. It's going to cost you $30 million because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what the NFL will end up doing. Yeah. And that report is false. Uh, that, no, that didn't actually come out and say that I saw that going around from like NFC news report on Twitter posted that from a verified accounts with the dangers of paying for verified accounts. There's no information or anybody that uh, can say that story is true. It came out of nowhere and people ran with it because, we're interested in Caleb Williams, but that's that's an untrue uh, report statement. 
Uh, Gary Palmer coming in with a super chat. Thank you, my friend. And I uh, hope you saw last night you won the jersey on Mile High Huddle. Came in from like a fourth place finish to win the raffle. So congratulations. Uh, appreciate you with the super chat again, uh, as Gary is doing the most direct way to support the things that we do here on this channel and other channels is super chats and stars on Facebook, wherever you might be watching. So thanks, uh, Gary. Um, let me see here. Corey has a question about Desmond Ritter. As we talk about, um, Justin Fields, you know, we got some blowback on the, the, the podcast we did about Justin Fields. Would you do that move? And they're like, well, he stinks. I'm like, well, that's an opinion. Uh, I'd be willing to give it a shot for a second or third. Now, am I willing to start sending first and more? I don't know. That's when it starts becoming a question. But for a second or third round pick, yeah, I, I, I do that deal for Justin Fields. I said that last week, and I'm saying now you wouldn't be able to do that. But would you say that Brock Purdy is clearly super, superior to Ritter as far as intangibles and talent? If not, then what would be the difference between, you know, except for Mike Shanahan and his ability to scheme and get his players a ball? Uh, I think Brock Purdy is a lot quicker in getting through his reads and seeing the field. I also think that he has much more of a playmaker ability than him, where uh, I think he's willing to throw guys open and be aggressive and try to go out there and make plays, where when it's not there for Ritter uh, as a layup kind of thing, he seems to kind of question himself and not trust it and is worried about uh, – making a mistake and he has made a lot of mistakes this year. I don't know that he has like second overall in the league this year and turnover worthy throws. Uh, but he just seems a lot more rigid out there where when things break down for Purdy, that's when, you know, some craziness happens. I think there's a little bit of regression in terms of some of the throws from him, uh, but he's out there and he can make plays uh, when things break down. Purdy's playing like he's got nothing to lose you know, to a certain extent. And as Mr. Irrelevant, he had to go and be a little more aggressive. Um, Desmond Ritter should play a little bit. Like he's again, he's so fearful. He's so unsure of himself when he's in the pocket. It's, 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 it's a, it's disturbing if you're a Falcons fan to see how uncomfortable he is because as far as arm talent, I haven't watched enough of Purdy. What I haven't seen Ritter do really well is throwing on the run with accuracy and throwing, off platform, he's got plenty of arm, but does he have plenty of arm if he if his feet aren't set right? If he's got somebody hanging on his leg, you know, yeah, he can step and drive, and that's NFL arm. You know, he's got the the fastball, but can he throw the other pitches? You see, all these guys have to throw sidearm and how they can deliver the ball in a multitude of ways. I haven't seen that from Ritter, um, but you know, from tools and talent, obviously, people thought Ritter was ahead of Purdy or else Purdy wouldn't have lasted till the end of the seventh round. Cause even if the Falcons didn't take him in the third Ritter, wasn't going in the seventh, he was still going to get drafted ahead of him. And those are tools evaluations. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be <clears throat> interesting to follow Purdy uh, going forward. I don't know. I'd, I think he's solid, but I also feel like it's a little bit of Cinderella at the ball and the uh, clock is going to hit midnight at some point watching them play. I mean, they've been good and they've been, um, moving the, the offense, but I think it's almost as much scheme and the weaponry around him as it is Purdy. I mean, when it comes time to pay him and you know, shout out to him, uh, never beat Iowa, uh, out there at Iowa state. Uh, but Mr. Irrelevant, uh, living in an apartment with a roommate, still driving his like 2010 Toyota Tacoma or something or Sequoia or whatever the heck it is. So, uh, those are very different cars, Nick. 
Okay, well, that's they both <laughs> sound similar to me. Um, Not to so. you. What do you mean? They're both Toyota four-wheel drive truck SUVs. They sound the same to me. Yeah, one's about three times bigger than the other. It's probably Which a Tacoma. One? I think it's a Sequoia. Is it? That, see, to me, I'm a car person. Um, the Toyota Sequoia from 04 to 06, they only made it for three years because then it started biting into their Land, Ro their, uh, land Cruiser money. They change it, but I still see more of those. That one goes into the SUV Hall of Fame for me. I think it's one of the best SUVs of all time. Anyway, okay. this is not a car broadcast, but I think yeah. the 04 to 06 Toyota Sequoia is a Hall of Famer. Okay. Well, I think that's what he drives. Because um, like, oh, you know me, I, th I heard Sequoia and I was like, oh, National Parks. Um, but uh, <laughs> we, we got a lot of other people. God bless you from Dominique Carmillo coming in. Sean Edwards, and I see a lot of comments that we should have got Lamar. I still disagree on that. I mean, Lamar is playing incredible football right now. Was Lamar actually ever really available? That's, yeah, the, that's comment. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. It would have been great to get Lamar. He wasn't available. You, you weren't getting Lamar Jackson. That, that whole thing was so stupid. The Falcons should have gotten him when they had a chance. They never had a chance. Stop it. He wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. He was not available. Now, you can debate on whether it was worse than in multiple two or three first round picks and then sign into a $250 million contract with 200 of it guaranteed. That's questionable too. What isn't questionable is he wasn't available. The Falcons weren't going to get him. That's just drives me nuts. And no, Sean, this isn't on you. I know you disagree with that. And, and again, if you get Lamar, you don't have David on Yamada. You don't have Caden Ellis. You don't have Jesse Bates. Um, you may not have re-signed Caleb McGarry, which is a positive or negative, depending on how you feel. But I think Caleb McGarry's, after a rough couple first game or two, is playing well again. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't think this team was – Lamar Jackson was the answer, but it, it, it was never a question. Can the Falcons get Lamar Jackson? No, they can't. That's the question. Yeah, the only one that seems like possible in hindsight is you could have moved up to three and outbid the uh, Texans for three and taken Anthony Richardson before the uh, the Colts did it for. Yep. That's the only one where it's like, and too early to say if that had been a good move or not. I mean, Richardson's look really, really good, uh, but we'll see how it plays out. And we're all those people that were saying they should have taken Will Levis at eight. Those just kind of fade off into the background, don't they? They don't mm -hmm. talk about, oh man, I was wrong about that. Yeah. Um, before we move off Justin Fields in Chicago, uh, Washington Commanders, where are they? What What is this team? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They're a team that's going to win six to eight games, probably. Uh, they're going to go with the Sam Howell experiment this season, and he'll probably be kind of what he is this year, taking way too many sacks, uh, being a little bit too aggressive. He'll have some good moments, but I don't know if he has enough uh, overall talent to elevate. And I think the offensive line is not very good there uh, either in Washington. So that's what I see. It's a team that probably will be picking somewhere from 10 to 14, 10 to 16, uh, and miss the playoffs. I mean, and they're not the worst team in the NFC East, given what's going on with the Giants right now. But I think they're also just, you know, they're one of the very forgettable teams this season. I had them pegged as a top five pick um, in at the beginning of the season, and then they got off to a pretty good start. And frankly, they played well against the Eagles just last week. Is some of that a hangover from a tough game? And then, but they were home. The home crowd should get you going on something like that. But I look at that, um, and I just, I just wonder, like the, the teams I thought, okay, these are your top five teams, Cardinals, Texans, Commanders. Were I, there were three teams I had in there for sure. Bears. The Bears I wasn't sure about because mm. they they put so much money into, into free agency and they, they mm. rebuilt so much. I didn't know about the Bears. I, I thought Bears – I didn't have the Bears in the top five. I, mm. I'd know that. I thought they were a, a sleeper for for maybe making the playoffs along with Detroit coming out of that, that – the uh, – the NFC, NFC North. North. Um, so I didn't have the Bears in there. I had I had command for me it was Commanders, Cardinals, Texans. And Cardinals are gonna be there, I think, at the end. Commanders got off saying, okay, no way. They're two and no start, but they, you know, they bounce back from that that blowout against the Bills, but then they get beat by the Bears. So you're like, okay, who is this team? Do we even know? They're going to be a mediocre team this year. I just think you're going to see the highs and the lows, and Sam Howell is going to be prone to mistakes. He has a little bit of let's try that uh, to him and a little bit of overaggression, and sometimes you see some really high-level throws as a PFF charts them, big-time throws, uh, but then you're going to have a lot of sacks that are from him and uh, turnover-worthy plays as well. So I think they're going to be fine. Uh, Terry McLaurin, you know, been – dealing with uh what do you have turf toe to start the year or something you know this just hasn't been 100 there yet and i think the offensive line still needs some work but overall kind of a mediocre defense i also think their defensive scheming is holding them back a little bit i'm not a big fan of uh jack del rio i think he's a little bit stagnant uh with what he likes to do out there not very innovative at this point in his career uh so uh probably a team that ends up you know again six to eight wins which is, again, that's, again, better than I thought it was going to be for sure. Uh, I'm just wondering, I'm like, okay, is this the team I thought they were going to be and they're going to have four wins? You know, I'm just uh, I'm just not sure. Um, the big game of the week, again, we talked some 49ers at first, and then we got 49ers-Cowboys. The Cowboys are traveling to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. 
The Cowboys haven't exactly had the toughest slate of games so far this year. I think they've had uh, Giants, Jets, Cardinals, and uh, and Patriots. Again, what's the Giants record? If they won a game, maybe won. The Jets maybe won. The Cardinals beat them. And then the Patriots, have, I think, have only won one game. Um, the, the 49ers is better, but the toughest team they've probably played is the Rams, who's kind of one of those surprise teams as well early in the season as, as well as they're playing. This is billed as a matchup of heavyweights. Do you, do you think it is? Is one of these teams are, – are the 49ers probably for real and we don't really know about the Cowboys yet? I think we'll find out a, a lot about both teams on Sunday night. I think this is a matchup of heavyweights and two of the three best teams in the NFC. I mean, the one game the Cowboys lost, they were playing four of five backup offensive linemen. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, the Cardinals have been a little bit more feisty uh, coaching wise. You know, got to give a shout out to Gannon on that one, even though we were clowning him before the season. They've been much more competent than we expected. But I do think this is a battle of heavyweight teams uh, overall. Dallas will probably get after it. We'll see what Dak shows up. Uh, that's the real question. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. Uh, top seven, not elite tools or anything like that, but a good distributor. But sometimes those mistakes can snowball on him and it can get pretty ugly in a hurry with him. Uh, I do wonder if Dallas, you know, is a team that maybe could use another weapon out there on the perimeter, just, you know, amplify what Dak does best as a pocket, you know, cerebral quarterback. Uh, but I think San Francisco wins this one. I just think what Kyle Shanahan's doing right now is a maestro, uh, you know, amazing for compared to almost everyone else in the NFL. Brandon Ayuk is probably the most underrated receiver in football right now. He's better. Debo Samuel gets a lot of credit, but Ayuk, I think, is better than Debo Samuel out there. Uh, and that defense is playing really good football as well under, uh, oh gosh, uh, who did they hire as their defensive coordinator? The guy I don't who remember was. who they brought in. They, you know, D'Amico Ryans was the guy. And I don't remember. Carolina's they, interim coach last year. Who they brought in, I don't remember. Um, but, you know, to your point, it's like I start thinking, I'm like, okay, Kyle Shanahan, yeah, 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 yeah. But the defense, I mean, they, they got a defense that's can, that can have you win any single game. And then you look up and it's like, oh, yeah, they, they got the third best scoring offense at the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good damn team. Yeah. It's Steve Wilkes um, as a defensive coordinator. That's right. That's yep, right. Yep. He I'm was the interim coach of Carolina, and we loved that hire. Yep. So Wilkes has been doing a great job uh, for them as well. I mean, they got a lot, of, obviously, defensive front talent. Fred Warner is the single best linebacker in football. And I think it's a pretty wide margin between him and everybody else. Uh, so yeah, I would expect the 49ers to win this game. Maybe this is the game to go where, th- you know, chickens come home to roost with Brock Purdy, with the aggression uh, Dallas losing Trevon Diggs loses a lot of that potency of taking the football away. It's a pretty Turnovers big bummer in four games. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was killing. It, it was a really, really unfortunate for Dallas in that regard. Uh, so they can still get after it though. Um, and I'm not a big fan of the 49ers interior offensive line and Dallas went out there, you know, Mozzie Smith has been playing well. Uh, you can use, you can do some inside outside game with um, Demarcus Lawrence as well. Who's kind of that big hulking edge that, you know, the type that's my cast type, right? It's got to love those guys that are the monster edge types. They're hard uh, to he's, find. he's really underrated also. Yeah. So uh, it should be, I'm ex- excited as heck. I think this is about as excited as I've been for a single football game uh, this year. This is up there with uh, pregame hype for me as the, Miami Dolphins versus Buffalo Bills last week. Yeah, it should be a good game. Good morning, Steve Kennedy says. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to you as well. That's uh, I'm the old man. That's the 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 older man. Um, so you got the you got the 49ers in this one. Yeah, I would have the 49ers in Dallas. 
Uh, I would, I, I think they're just they're, they're the better team right now, back to front, top to bottom. I think they're the better team at at home. Uh, I'm going with uh, going with the 49ers on this one. Uh, Eight twenty Eastern time on NBC. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little Broncos Jets on this. You know, just for the the entertainment value between Sean Payton and Nathaniel Hackett. Now they both kind of tried to play it off a little bit. Sean Payton coming out and saying that Nathaniel Hackett, that was the worst coaching job he'd ever seen. Um, Nathaniel Hackett basically saying, you know, Hey, we're all in glass houses. We pretty much try not to take shots at one another in the coaching profession because it's going to be your ass on the line soon. And that's why he says glass houses. Um, What Payton said wasn't wrong. It was a horrific coaching job last year among other things in Denver but coming into the game the Broncos are one and three the offense is playing better the defense is just god-awful going against Nathaniel Hackett and Zach Wilson how do you see this one playing out I think the Broncos are going to end up losing this game because I still don't trust the defense and I think the Jets are going to be able to run the football just enough uh, to win this game Uh, the Broncos have been horrific defensively one of the worst uh, ever defensive outputs through four games, according to DVOA Uh, very small sample size DVOA gets better the more games that are played. So that's, you know, I wouldn't write that totally in pen, but they've been terrible uh, through four games. And I don't know. I just expect the defense to continue to struggle. They are getting in theory, uh, they should be getting jewel and Simmons back. Maybe that'll change things. I think that Broncos crowd is going to be a bit energized. Uh, they've had this game circled with the Nathaniel Hackett stuff and not wanting to get embarrassed and uh, lose this game. But I don't know. I just don't think they are a very talented, very good team right now. And I don't know what to make of what the defense will be after all the moves, guys injured and uh, Gregory slash Bassey out. Uh, Dom says the Broncos are 32 in the league on defense in a lot of categories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And by a lot, you go... You go and sort stats for offense, and it's pretty telling. It, you know, the Miami Dolphins are more than a hundred yards ahead of the next team. You go and look at defense and look at yards per game, and the Broncos are 60. It's like 20% more than the next team. Their points per game, they've given up 37.5. The next closest is 32. So it's a five and a half point swing. So if I took five and a half from the commanders and moved it to 26.5, they'd jump almost five spots, six spots. You got one team, you got the Dallas Cowboys are only giving up 10 points per game and you're giving up 37. And you'd say, well, they gave up 70 and one. Yeah, but it's, it's not just that game. Small sample size or not. You took that game out of there. They'd still probably be last. Yeah. Roderick says Zach Wilson is a nightmare, though. He is, but he played well last game. Again, we talked about Justin Fields with two games. Zach Wilson took care of the ball. The three before that, he was pretty poor. The two years before that, he was even worse. Is it coming together for him? Man, if he can't get it right against the Denver Broncos and that's that, that defense, then the answer is no. Yeah. If he does play well, then the answer is okay. That's another step in the right direction. I don't have a lot of trust in Zach Wilson making the throws and being an NFL quarterback for the long term. I don't have a lot of trust in this trust in this Denver Broncos defense either. I trust the New York Jets defense more than I trust the Denver Broncos offense. I like the Jets in this one and Nathaniel Hackett, even though he basically said, "Let me see." I, I actually cut up some video on this on the shorts. He wouldn't take the bait. 
basically. Um, let me see if I can pull this up real quick because the New York media isn't as nice as everybody else. So they asked him about five or six, 10, 15 different ways to try and get him to, um, to say something about Sean Payton, the Denver Broncos. And your emotions are going back to Denver. Got to go win a football game. How did, how did they treat you there? Great. Then do you think Payton regrets what he said? I don't know. Ask him. <laughs> that makes me laugh. It really does. How'd they treat me? Great. Then he's looking like, I'm not saying anything else. So go ahead and ask the next question. You think Peyton regrets what he said in the summer? Ask him. Ask him. So it's gotten interesting. It is. It is. And uh, we'll see. I like the. Uh, I like. I like the Jets in this one, even if it's just for karmic payback. We'll see. But bad guys win sometimes too. Uh, you know, if I'm talking about personalities, who would I rather like go on a road trip with? It's Nathaniel Hackett. He's oh, he's man. a nice, he's a good dude. Sean Payton's an ass. He's an arrogant ass. I've said it for years. You don't mind it when he's your arrogant ass. He's a hell. He's a, the fifty times better football coach. I want him as my football coach. Mm -hmm. I'd rather go on a road trip with you know and go play you know eighteen rounds of golf with with Nathaniel Hackett. That's not yeah. the thing here. So I, I got a kick out of the press conference this week. Yeah, I mean, what's he supposed to say? Credit to him. I feel bad for Hackett. I mean, it's obvious it's looking back about how incompetent the offense was last year compared to what the Broncos are doing now. Uh, but uh, he did hire Isir Evero, who's maybe not been incredible for Carolina, but was much better than what we've seen so far from Vance Joseph with a similar uh, personnel. The uh, not overly similar, but you know, much better There's than no what we saw from for Vance the Denver Broncos being as bad as they are on defense. Whether we argue yeah. how similar the defend the yeah. defenders themselves are or not which we've yeah. hashed out if you want to get into it more hit us on broncos for breakfast monday morning yeah um <laughs> falcons texans this one becomes really interesting because okay two and two falcons are coming off losses you know back-to-back -back losses they are who we thought they were they'll be okay yeah but what about that other team what about the texans they're the playing texans, great the, the, the afc um AFC North all of a sudden has a chance. South. AFC South. I get confused because Indianapolis. I'm like, one of these teams doesn't belong. Indianapolis doesn't belong in the South. It's not the uh, the Jaguars and Texans don't belong in the North. Sorry. Um, the AFC South is interesting all of a sudden. You've got, you're like, okay, well, Jacksonville's the best team here. Well, the the, the uh, Colts are playing well. They're, they're playing a, a really well. And then the Texans go and have two great wins. And they were, the thing is, Nick, convincing wins. They went and down into Jacksonville and dominated that game, and then they beat up on the Steelers pretty well. So this is a these are two teams right now heading in different directions. Can that change at Mercedes Benz in Atlanta on Sunday? It can change. Uh, Atlanta's still a talented team, and Houston maybe feeling themselves a little bit right now. I mean. Yeah, I still trust the broader sample size uh, or waiting on the broader side, sample size with C.J. Stroud, but Houston is playing much better football right now. I mean, the fact that in today's NFL, granted scoring dropped a bit last season, I'm not sure where the trends are at right now, but having back-to-back -back games where you didn't crack double-digit points scored for Atlanta, I mean, that's that's unheard of. That's, you know, Denver Broncos style of football right there, Iowa Hawkeyes even. Uh, so 
I think Houston probably will win this one. I think it'll be closer, though, uh, overall. Still don't trust the Houston uh, back seven totally. Uh, and I think that hopefully Ritter can get a little bit better in that one. If not, then we're going to start to have to ask some real tough questions, and there's going to be some pressure, uh, not only externally probably, for some moves. Yeah, the the Texans, when they played the Steelers, they let their front four deal with the running game mm-hmm. and backed off and kind of formed a cloud and said, okay, throw into my, my seven-man coverage. They can't do that against the Falcons. They can't dare you to run the ball. And then it'll be the exact opposite. It will be what the Jacksonville Jaguars did. There'll be seven guys in the box, eight, nine guys in the box. We'll dare you to throw. D'Amico Ryans is a smart guy. He'll adjust his, his – it's not scheme. It's just he'll adjust his pressure, his defense, how he sets his guys up based on the opponent. And he can't afford – you can't afford to say, we'll live with the Falcons running game because they'll run all day. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll, they'll run for 300 yards put eight in the box and Ritter's going to have to make some plays and loosen those guys up eventually. And if I'm going off recent form, Texans are going to win this game. The the Falcons have looked pretty bad in the last two weeks and the Texans are playing really well. It's not like they just beat somebody at home that was decent. No, the Jacksonville Jaguars are considered a playoff team. We just saw what they did to the Falcons. Steelers are always a solid team. Won that game pretty handily too. I think it was by by, uh, 17 points, 37-20 rings a bell. And they they were dominated that game. Just looked really really good. So this could be a turning point. I'm not going to say a turning point for both teams because hell, the Jacksonville game was a turning point for the uh, for the Texans. They're trending in the right direction. This could be an inflection point for the Falcons. Where okay, we're going to have to decide who we're going to be this year if yeah. they lose this game to the Texans. Will be tough. Uh, Vegas does still like the Falcons. At one and a half. So I expect this to be a very tough, uh, close game. We'll see what happens uh, with Ritter overall in this one. You really hope that this is a game that they can just really start to get the run game going and make it not as much on Ritter. They need to get some explosives out there and they need to figure out a way to get, you know, Bijan in space and just get a backbreaking play in there uh, for the Texans defense to really force them to commit to the run then and then hopefully take some uh, calculated deep shots and get those playmakers involved. I mean, right now it's just, I mean, Four was it four catches, five catches for your top picks on the perimeter? Not good enough. Uh, it's not enough, even as a small sample size. You got to figure out a way to get those guys involved. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, and uh, as Ryan says, watch the replay of that Steelers game. The Steelers were in it, it was just one or two plays away from the Steelers taking over that game. Most teams will make a run, you know, whoever jumps out, but if a team jumps out, they're gonna have to fight a team back. That that happens, but. It was 16 to nothing at halftime, Houston. 16 to six. And then they won 30 to six in that game. So, some, you know, that's a pretty comprehensive victory. One or two plays can switch most games. That's just the way the NFL is, the way they're close together. How you respond to that team making their surge means everything. Watch the Bears last night. Okay. They did not respond against the Broncos. Last night, they jumped out to another big lead. Here come the Commanders. Commanders have cut it to a two-score game. They've got the ball. They took care of business. They Each team will make a run, and generally in every single game you watch, how you respond to it, these were good wins for the Houston Texans. Yeah. Uh, Texans are good. We'll see what happens uh, with them going forward. I mean, probably one of the more surprising teams in football. They're probably still a year off. 
uh, from being the AFC South contender. But uh, yeah, the South is very intriguing. Um, outside of Tennessee, all three of those teams, you know, young quarterbacks, uh, any of them could end up taking it this year at two. Every single team in the AFC South is two and two. I mean, tell me a more perfect division <laughs> and who would you pick to be that one? Yeah, pro- probably the AFC South. You know, yeah. they look decent. Last year, the NFC South was like that, but that was because every team was seven and nine going into the last week. They were all crap. These guys are playing some pretty good football. Uh, John Harrell says, if Ritter lays another egg at home, is the hook coming? I'll tell you what. Playing that badly on the road was a blessing to this team because if if that offense sputters at home the way it did in their last two games, it's going to get noisy. At, at the bends, it's going to get noisy. They're going to mm-hmm. hear boos from, well, I won't say in the lower bowl because those are usually empty, but from the rafters, they're going to hear boos coming down. And I'm exaggerating about the lower bowl. Y'all have heard me talk about that before on my Falcons podcast. Uh, and I'm not saying boo and Ritter. Ritter will get the share of the blame along with Arthur Smith, but that offense will be booed off the field. It'll get noisy and there will be some tougher. It's not exactly a tough crowd uh, with the Atlanta media. But there will be some tougher questions to be answered coming out of week five if that offense doesn't play any better. Yeah, I mean, it'd be hard to play worse. If it's another single-digit uh, output from this team, you might have to make a move. I mean, it's yeah. it's early in the Falcons schedule. Schedule sets up that you know the next six games still are pretty winnable. Uh, and you play some poor teams in that stretch too. But I mean, you got to make a run. And if you're only putting out single-point outputs, it's not good enough. Yep. Uh, I agree. And again, Ryan, you won't be alone. And, and again, they're professionals. You know, I remember didn't necessarily like booing, you know, the college kids at the time, hell they're professionals now too. Um, but these are pros, man. And the way the, the, the teams, the clubs, they rake you over the coals for your money. If they're not producing and they look bad doing it and you question the effort and the attitude, they're going to hear it. I promise you they're going to hear it. We mentioned Titan Colts a little bit. Um, Colts have a chance to go three and two. They had a really nice comeback last week that fell just short, um, but they've got something going there. Shane Steichen and, and uh, Anthony Richardson, Jonathan Taylor could be back on the field. Now they haven't activated him to the 53 yet. But they've got plenty of time to do that. Um, again, the Colts are all of a sudden really interesting too. Yeah. It, Colts are fun. They're playing pretty good football. I think their defense is still lacking, uh, but somebody's got to take the South. I still would probably take the Jags uh, overall, probably the most complete team uh, on paper, but Anthony Richardson's been killing it. I think he's leading the NFL in uh, explosive plays from the quarterback position and uh, what they've been doing so far in their red zone scheming from Steichen with Richardson has been art. I mean, it's been beautiful uh, out there. It's really hard to score when you get in those compressed areas, unless you have a absolute, you know, unit out there. Uh, Is it sustainable long-term? I I don't know. We kind of saw what happened with Cam Newton, but that's a problem for, you know, five, six years from now. So (laughs) Anthony Richardson looking great. Uh, Will be a lot of fun to see. I'll probably take the Colts in this one. AFC North, always one of the more intriguing divisions, the black and blue division. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 30, 29th in total offense and 29th in scoring offense coming off of, uh, again, a three point, a, a three score loss to, uh, the Texans. Now they get the Ravens. That's not exactly the team you want to try and get right against if your defense is struggling. But again, you know, I fully believe in Mike Tomlin and I never count out the Steelers, but is this a good time to be playing them? If you're the Ravens, 
this is a good time to be the Ravens, uh, just in general. They're one of the six best teams in football, and the it's an absolute uh, circus, I guess, right now on offense for the Steelers. I mean, we have Fireman Cannon. What was that? <laughs> I said circuses are supposed to be fun. There's a lot going on. Circus fire. Cl- it's a clown show, I guess. You know, circuses <laughs> are fun, but it's a clown show on that offense right now. Uh, Matt Canada, I mean, there's a chance in the game cheering for him to be fired. I mean, they've been horrific on offense out there. Uh, so it's, uh, I expect the Ravens to win this one handily. I haven't heard a positive word about Matt Canada in years. Yeah. Remember, you, you, I went, I kind of went off the rails about recycling all these same names over and over and over again, where they fail, get hired, fail, get fired, fail again. This feels like another one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I love the Steelers, but I, I, I also like the Ravens. I like both of those organizations and how they do things. I think the Ravens, the Ravens get this one. I move to four and one, and the Steelers move to a uh, <clears throat> a sub five hundred record. Uh, Eagles Rams. I think Rams are one of the more surprising teams of the season this year, but I think the Eagles are this close to hitting on all cylinders, and I like the Eagles in this one too. It'll be a tough one. I mean, Sean McVay is doing very well this season. Matt Ryan, or excuse me, uh, Matt Stafford has been playing great ball, but Eagles just have so such good trench play. And the Rams, while Steve Avila has been great for them on the offensive line, it takes you know multiple players on an offensive line to be great. And I expect Jalen Carter to uh, wreck a few guys on that interior for the Rams. So I, I'll go with the Eagles in this one. I don't think the Eagles are playing at the level that uh, we expected from them. A little bit of uh, Super Bowl loss hangover. But typically, teams are horrible after losing the Super Bowl. So I think we'll start to see the upward trend uh, from that Eagles team, who are right now probably you know a top ten team, but not that no doubt uh, elite team in the NFC. I'd probably take uh, Cowboys, Lions, uh, 49ers over the Eagles right now if we we're doing a power ranking. But I expect the Eagles to win this one. Yeah, me too. And that doesn't take anything away from the Rams. There's lots of games. I think they're going to be a a playoff contender moving forward. That West isn't exactly a cakewalk. Seattle's pretty good. Rams are 49ers. good. 49ers are good. Cardinals are looking for, you know, the number one Feisty. overall pick. Um, but then they go out and beat Dallas. So mm-hmm. the, the, the NFC West is looking solid. Here's a good question from Dom that's probably going to get us out of here. Scott, out of all the old school uniforms they brought back in the NFL, which one is your favorite this season? I, I, I can't say which one's my favorite this season. I can tell you the one when the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Carolina Panthers entered the league, everybody went to this swoosh logo. They all look the freaking same. It's like they just put a stamp, change of color, stamp, 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 and I hated it. Mm-hmm. So it was starting with that era where teams started changing to everybody having the same freaking logo that I hated. Patriots did it. Uh, Broncos. Buccaneers did it. Broncos did it. So – if you were to ask me, I don't I don't know which ones are new, but as far as like from old school to new school, which ones do I miss the most? I just named a bunch of them. The Patriots. I love the Patriot in the middle like there. Yes, the stab like, the football one. I like the Buccaneers. Uh, old. Uh, they were distinctive at least. Now I watch them and I can't tell if I'm watching the 49ers or not. If I, if I, they just, the pewter and, and red, I'm like, that was already taken. Um, I like their, I like the distinctiveness of it. I like the Broncos old D uh, with the horse coming out of it, um, as opposed to the swoosh. You can see the difference up there, um, but it, it all it all went the same. And uh, I, I like those old school. And the Patriots would probably be 
of the old school ones might be my favorite that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, Patriots, the red uniforms with the, mm-hmm. uh, the Patriots snapping the football is way up there for me. Um, this isn't really a logo change, but just a color change. The Kelly green for the Eagles uh, with that white, I think is just, just gorgeous. I just love that old school Kelly green uniform for the Eagles. They should go back to that. It's, it's so good. Uh, and uh, also again, the old school Broncos uniform. Um, I don't care. I, I like the, the lighter blue. I don't know if it's necessarily a powder blue uh, necessarily, but that with the, the old school logo here, I'm really excited for the, the Broncos are wearing their alternate helmet against the jets this week. I'm really <clears throat> Stupid NFL rules. I don't under, <clears throat> excuse me. Stupid NFL rules. I don't really understand it, but you can only wear an alternate helmet if you wear your full color rush uniforms. So the Broncos are going to wear the white helmet with the orange top and orange pants, which is a terrible uh, combo. If they were just wore the all white with the white helmet, like they're showing at the practice, it looks awesome. It looks so good. The all white does, but because it's the white helmet with the orange top and orange bottoms, it's going to look a little bit ugly. Uh, but uh, we'll see if the rule changes in the future. But the white helmet looks cool. Cool. Right, I have a question for you. Okay. Rams, Royal and Canary, or Golden Navy? Royal and Canary. I like Absolutely. The yeah. <laughs> if they could take Abs- all the uniforms back to the 80s, sign Absolutely. me up. Absolutely. And what's funny is when, when uh, who'd they play? Who'd, who'd we play? Who was, I get, whatever game I was watching, the Rams were playing and they had on their Royal and Canary. My wife came comes in and she's like, oh my God. I'm like, are you kidding? Those are the best. She yeah. hated them. I'm like, I'm like, that's the Rams, man. That is the Rams. That's Eric Dickerson's Rams. That's God, I've already forgotten most other people before that, but I'm like, that's the Rams. Um, So, you know, and frankly, you know, the, the ones that have stayed the same with their logos, you know, they've changed a little bit, but I like the Seahawks. I like the Eagles. Um, Seahawks did change though, because they used to be a little bit of a lighter color. But the logo is still similar. Yeah, they like compress. They stretched it a yeah. bit, and and they were one of the originals. Yes, it goes back, but it's more of a block. The Eagles, I think, is cool. And frankly, as a little kid, the blue tinted shiny silver of the Dallas Cowboys did something for me, and I wasn't alone because they're America's team for a reason. And those uniforms just look dope. Mm-hmm. Hate them, love them. I love their colors. I think their uniforms are still awesome. Classic. So. Yep. On that note, I think we're going to get out of here. Appreciate everybody for joining us today. If you haven't hit the like or subscribe yet, please do so you can get your notifications when you come on. Nick and I are on five days a week, every morning on this channel or somewhere else. And if you follow us, you can make sure you get to see us. Um, Great game last night. Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears making a statement, especially Fields. Hey, I'm I'm not gone yet. And it's going to cost you to come and get me. Caleb who? Um, we'll see again, two games, but it's a hell of a two games that he just had looking forward to some great football this weekend. Nick, one last thought before we get going. Uh, should be a fun weekend of football. I'd be excited for Dallas versus 49ers and curious to see what happens with the two poor teams, um, with the jets and the Broncos and excited for draft talk. I mean, it's, it's coming around the corner here pretty soon. I know that, you know, it gets a little bit long for some people, but that whole process of evaluating these guys and learning these new players is uh, a lot of fun. So that's that's right around the corner. Yeah, we are. We're we're, we're getting close to the time where we kind of know who's going to be in the top five, six picks. It's start. They're starting to separate themselves out in negative mm-hmm. ways. So we love talking some draft. We're already into October. It's supposed to be in the fifties and forties here in the South this weekend. Love it. 
on that note, we are going to get out of here. Please join us Monday morning. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk some football games. The review from the Jets, Broncos, Texans, Falcons, and anything else you want to talk about. Um, that's why we do these live, so you can ask us questions. On that note, we're going to get out of here. Appreciate you joining us. Oh,